The Washington Huskies uh, go down to the Coliseum uh, and take care of business. They win a 52-42 to shootout against USC. People keep waiting for the dogs to drop one. They're waiting at least one more week. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Oregon stomping California, Utah stomping Arizona State, uh, Arizona still on the go, all that and more in this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick this week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And we'll start this off in Autzen, where... The best one-loss team in the country, these Oregon Ducks, they have, a, they have a loss that's so good it's essentially being treated universally as a win. Uh, they took on Cal, and this game was like kind of you know close for a second in the first quarter, and then Oregon hit the turbos uh, and ran away with this thing. 63-19 to win for the Duckos. I don't have much to say about this game except that it was dumb from the very beginning. Yeah. I watched this game. So the very first play from scrimmage was a California interception. And then California ran three nondescript plays and had to kick a field goal. Oregon blocked the field goal, ran it back for a touchdown, but they were offside on the block and then on top of the – so that wouldn't have been enough to give Cal first down. But then on top of that, they then committed a unsportsmanlike uh, unsportsmanlike uh, penalty or whatever, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after they scored. And so that then gave Cal uh, half the distance to the goal. First and goal on the nine, Cal then immediately throws an interception on the next play. And then Oregon <laughs> goes down, scores. The first half – was just a comedy of errors. Um, but ultimately, Oregon got its act together and kicked the living shit out of Cal, which, you know, good for them. Yeah, you expect that to happen. I saw a great Cal tweet today. You don't see a lot of those. Oh, you don't. Somebody goes, Fernando Mendoza has a chance to make history this Saturday. If he passes for 18,392 yards against WSU, he will be the NCAA's all-time passing yards leader. He's not going to. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, he's not very good. He might He might get there close. But. <laughs> yeah. I, I just like that. You said, that's the first time I've seen somebody play with that format. You see that type of tweet all the time, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah let's let's mess sure. around with it. I liked it. It made me laugh. Uh, yeah, but nothing, nothing really to say about this game. Oregon's uh, good. Cal's not good. Um, another game involving an Oregon school. Oregon State traveled to Boulder to play prime time. The story of college football. One of my biggest loss of the season was uh, saying one word about Colorado and not just waiting for them to suck. I'm sad I complained well, about them. Yeah, yeah. You, you you wanted it. To, you wanted the bubble to burst, and it has. Now, now, now do way. I want it back? <laughs> I don't know. It, it was a it was a brighter world with Prime, you know, priming it up because now he's like. The thing about Deion Sanders is he's still Deion Sanders, right? Like he's still like one of the most insane athletes that ever lived, you know, prints money wherever he goes. Like the the ego is still there and the inability to accept responsibility for failure is still there. But now it just doesn't like hit the same because they're so damn bad. It just seems kind of weird. Yeah, it's like I've seen people uh, – I mean, I don't think any of this is going to matter long term. I think he did enough in the early part of the season <clears throat> that to kind of grease the wallets of the Colorado boosters uh, and like otherwise, you know, make Colorado a more attractive transfer destination than it would be. Uh, I saw some people complaining this week that Dion, I guess the last couple weeks, has been throwing the, the lines under the bus, you know, and be like, who's going to want to go play for him? You know, well, people who like being on TV, probably. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody's going to care. They're going to be like, yeah, well, of course he was mad at those guys. They suck. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, Washington had a guy go play for Dion this this uh, this past offseason, right? That Savelle Smalls. Yeah. That guy, the, the, the rush, the D end. One of our few five-star recruits in school history. Yeah, 
and a local Seattle kid came and spent, I think, three years on, on the roster. Hung out was for a like, while. Was in the depth. Um, you know, he played for UW, and then he goes into Colorado, doesn't appear to play for Colorado. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I think people will always want to go play for Prime. Um, he's a big brand in and of himself and brings lots of attention, as you noted. So, yeah, I think he'll be able to recruit just fine. They're, they're going to the Big 12, and, like, bless their hearts, they were honest about it. They were just like, we need we need lesser competition. We're going to the Big 12. Like, we need to get back to playing these, like, Kansas State, Iowa State characters. We were way better at beating them than we are when we have been uh, competing in this Pac-12. So that'll help him. Um, but, yeah, this year's, this year's getting rough. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say it's still, you know, I'd still say net positive. If I'm looking for something positive I and mean, I'm a Buffs fan, I say we did the job in the first three weeks of the season. People know about us. People watch us. We're good. Uh, yeah. Bs, I mean, not not an impressive win against Colorado. That's all I'm going to say about that, I guess. They didn't cover, you know. I mean, yeah. if Prime's if if Prime's got anything to hang his hat on, it's the people in Vegas are gonna are gonna like him that that laid money on the Buffs, which I don't know who would be doing that now. That would be real risky maneuver with your wealth. Your I don't know. There's a real cult of personality around this guy. I think there's some real heavy Prime backers in the, out there in the world. Uh, next yeah. up, we had Utah hosting Arizona State. Arizona State has been kind of like trash, but a couple times they looked, you know, they were in the game against USC. They controlled large parts of the game against Washington and were, frankly, unlucky to get a result there. Um, but Utah, coming off their humiliation at the hands of Oregon recently, Utah uh, really thumped Arizona State, and you hate to see a 21-0 fourth quarter in a 55-3 final. That's not that's not cool, man. Yeah, it's just that's, not cool. That's just, like, what, it, what was wrong with uh 34 to 3 you know like it was 41 yeah yeah 34 yeah exactly yeah like why did you need why did you need those like those three extra touchdowns i mean i guess if you're utah you know you've got higher aspirations and you got offensive problems and you you know if you're utah's offensive coordinator at some point in this offseason you're going to be you know having to put together a slide deck for your job and yeah. and these extra points can really come in handy. You can you can spread these extra those extra twenty one points out across uh, you know a couple of games and make it look a little better um, when we're do, when we're talking averages. Um, so that maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, that seems that seems very grotesque that they did that to Arizona State. Yeah, un 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 Kyle Whittingham like I would say. I don't know. I mean, like low key, like that's kind of like Utah's like blue collar. I mean, they're kind of rough around the edges, right? Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I think Whittingham, like they're pretty, they're pretty hard nosed. I don't think he's, uh, I, you know, I don't think he's like known for his like sportsmanship or anything. I don't think he's considered like a dirty guy, but I think he's like an old school football guy. I, I don't think people, you know, I'm not that surprised, but still, like, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a dick move there. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had uh, UCLA and Arizona. This was in Tucson, I believe. Uh, and Arizona resurgent, right? I mean, that w- one of the real stories of the season in the Pac-12, if you're a real Pac-12 fan, you say, you know, obviously you got your Washington and your Oregon, and you got, you know, Oregon State and Utah and USC kind of flirting around the edges of potentially making the title game. Uh, but... Arizona. I mean, from where they've been recently, all of a sudden they're playing with everybody, you know, with the close losses to USC and Washington, and then they win handily against UCLA. UCLA still, they'd already solved the garbage problem, then they created a garbage problem for themselves. But he wasn't really, like, super the problem in this game, I guess. It's not like he was that electric on offense, but he wasn't turning it over. It's Noah Fafita. Again, just like Arizona, one of the stories of the season in the conference. A ho-hum 300 yards, three touchdowns for him. I'm I'm like very quickly warming to the notion of uh, Washington extending a transfer portal offer to Noah Fafita. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like how does that, I don't know how you how you offer a guy through the portal, but I'm I'm sure there's a way. Because um, this guy, this cat is good, man. He's so good. Uh, he's just he's just wrecking everybody that he plays. This is the this is the third ranked team in a row. I mean, they aren't ranked now, but when they play, this third ranked team in a row that Arizona beat, and after having like you said, close losses, uh, you know, to Washington and, and USC. And now Arizona is one of the schools that's like propping Washington up in its college football playoff standings. It's one of the their ranked wins. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. 
So uh, it's what a story for Jed Fish and and they're I mean they're having a great year, and uh, you know there's no reason to believe they're not going to get to seven and three this week. They play Colorado, so they're they're like low key. They have like a chance of making the conference championship game. It, a lot of stuff has to happen, but they like it could happen. Yeah, I mean if you're sitting there with two losses right now, you are in play. Yeah, they're in play. They got two. They're six and three, but they only have two losses in conference. Uh, and let's get to our most miserable result of the week. We're in Pullman. It's the Stanford Cardinal. It's the Cougs. The Cougs have been, they started off 4-0. I mean, they were in the polls. And this make it their fifth loss in a row. They only are able to scramble together a solitary touchdown against Stanford. I mean, if you're WSU and you hold Stanford or any team to 10 points and you can't figure out a way to win this game, devastating. Devastating. Such, such a bad game. Like, I mean, just a horrible display of football. Um, I, I Yeah, uh, there's not much you can say. The implied final score on this was like WSU 36, Stanford 22. So, like, the over-under was, like, somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, 55, uh, 60-ish. And the two teams combined for 17 points. Just absolutely painful. I mean... Ter- ter- terrible. So just, I mean, was there just like a lot of lost fumbles? No. How are we not scoring? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know what's going on here. This just... is also my first time peeping this name of the guy who got the most carries for Washington State. It's tough. Schlenbaker? Yeah. Javensky Schlenbaker. <laughs> I'm gonna, that sounds I don't like, know a, you know, like a down market composer. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about Division One coaching college football wise, but here's what I know: if I'm ever in a position of being a Division One college football coach, and I look at my roster and my a running back that is about to get some carries is named Javesky Schlenbaker, I'm going to be like, I'm going to get fired. He better pop. Yeah, when you're sitting there giving 13 carries to Javesky Schlenbaker and only one carry to Lincoln Victor. Yeah, I know which one sounds like a better running back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> Javinsky Schlenbaker. Yeah, you're in trouble. Uh, did you see uh, Jake Dickert about NIL? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was asked a direct question, and he answered it pretty honestly. But he, yeah, he, he can't say that, I don't think. Why not? I mean, who's because what are you going to do? Like, what's going to happen? You think like like uh, you know, five million dollars for players is going to fall out of the tree? Dude, they're so hosed. They're like, hosed. That's not going to happen. So then, like, so, I'm like, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've noticed on Twitter, I'm, I'm futilely engaging with anybody who, who will, who will engage. Uh, this, this damn like WSU fan base, it's just so like they're so pissed at UW and like they're just they're they're wasting all their time being angry at Washington. Uh, I don't understand it. Like they've got. They've got so many massive problems that they should be focused on that have nothing to do with UW. And they just like, they're, you know, I mean, the NIL thing is, is one of them for sure. Like come December 4th or whatever the day that portal opens, they're going to lose half their roster. Anybody, yeah. anybody who can make a jump to a, to a team that's going to the big 12, like they're going to go. I mean, it, I, I get frustrated with this on the Washington boards. The the Washington boards are all bent out of shape about uh, Kalen DeBoer not recruiting. And I'm like, fucking ain't right. He's not recruiting. He doesn't need to recruit high school kids anymore. Yeah. He, can take, he can take two-year starters at the Power 5 schools that aren't lucky enough to go to the Big Ten because he's got the golden ticket. He can just start calling, you know, he can start putting the bad single out or whatever you do and get and say, hey, you want to play in the Big Ten? Look at our schedule next year. Freaking rocks. Yeah, we'll come to that. I mean, the entire Big 12 and ACC are his recruiting grounds now. Yeah. So WSU's got to, like, they got to figure that. I mean, like, the NIL thing, it, they're hosed. Like, the Washington thing, they're, they're like, solely mad at UW for this. And it's like, g- get mad at the TV executives. It's like 90% their fault, you know? Yeah, and oh, then, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, like, USC and UCLA, be mad at them. Be mad at UW a little bit, sure. I mean, like, they played a role. Oregon played a role. Colorado played a little bit of a role. You know, like, USC, there's a UCLA. lot of blame to go around here. But, yeah, yeah, UCLA, USC. But it's just like, guys, like, you got three games next year. They're talking about maybe doing a home-and-home home with Oregon State, you know, as part of the Pac-2. 
Like, okay, great. That's five. That's five games. Like, how are we going to get you to 12 games? Like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, like. Yeah, you're going to have to play Idaho. Yeah. But when? Like, Idaho, the problem is they've already, both of them already have three non-conference games that are played in, like, the normal window when non-conference games are going to be played. All these other schools, like even Idaho, are going into conference play after after the th- the first three weeks of the, st- of the year, right? Like, it's not like they're just a bunch of teams in even the Mountain West and the Big Sky that are just sitting around with, like, empty slots, you know, in the middle of the season that they need filled. Like, this is a huge problem. And they're just solely focused about, like, today, the whole, the whole Twitter thing is about Anna Marie Casse's declaration in the in the litigation and, and you know, like, uh, Kurt, uh, Schultz's response, like, you know, they're like, he, he's dog walking her. And it's like, okay, guys, who are you playing next year? Like, come on. Like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's get our eye on the ball and let's start scheduling some football games against some teams because otherwise your football season is going to be four, four games long. And, like, Dickert isn't even going to stay in coach. He's just going to go, like, take a coordinator position somewhere or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about that if I'm them. Like, this last – after the Stanford result, this was the first time I started thinking, like, forget the Mountain West, right? Like, like wouldn't we just be happier if, you know, we can get some kind of plan to pay down the debt on the stadium stuff we built? We're just a big sky school now. And like all our games are up here. Yeah. Schools where all of a sudden we're like the biggest school. And we can win. And who cares? That sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Mountain West is probably their likely destination. Yeah. I, I, I sort of understand why they drug their feet for a little bit. But right now, like you don't like Washington and Oregon next year, you know, are going to go play in the Big Ten. And all the other schools are going to various other conferences. But the bottom line is, even if you win your league, you know, first of all, they're going to stall. They're all going to stall, right? And and if WSU and, and Oregon State try and start taking money and withholding distributions and doing all of that, then the other 10 schools are going to get, get an injunction and say, nope, you can't do any distributions till this is fully resolved. Right. Yeah. And that's going to work. The courts are going to say, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like this is, there's a fight over this money. We got to figure that out. And if, and then on the off chance, the court says, no, you can, you just WSU and Oregon state can start pulling money. The other 10 who are, you know, do these distributions, but you're not giving them to them, you know, can't, then the court would make WSU and Oregon state bond around whatever they're taking out, which means they have to find money to put up a bond to cover whatever they're pulling out. Because if they then lose, they have to have a bonding company, you know, a surety to put that money back in to cover the damages for the other 10 that they can't do that. So, so that's not like, that's not viable. And the problem is, is like, yeah, would it really suck for UW and Oregon and, and all these other schools to go like a full year without any money when they're expecting 25 or 30 million bucks? Yeah, that would be a real pain in the ass, but they are in the big 10 or big 10 at this point earning money playing a, a conference schedule that that will then pay out the next year Oregon State and Washington State next year are not in any such position that they're you know that money's tied up and then they're not making money the following year either it's like a, it's a perpetuating cycle time is not on their side the big dogs can just wait them out and they're screwed they they're gonna have to settle so I don't know. I'm shouting at the wind here for no fucking reason, but it's frustrating to me. I like WSU in certain respects. I would like to see them like continue on as a football viable football program. Like they need to figure out what they're doing next year and get in a conference or do something to generate some revenue so that, you know, they can continue to, you know, have players and coaches. Yeah. I think that'd be nice. Uh, moving on to the best game in the conference this week, one of the best games in the nation. Again, Washington involved. Uh, they went to the Coliseum to play USC. It was a matchup between last year's Heisman winner Caleb Williams, and still at this point, your your betting favorite for the Heisman this year, Michael Penix. Uh, even though you know that Washington had the couple weeks that weren't so great. Uh, glorious, glorious football game to watch for the neutral. Glorious for Washington fans to watch. 52 to 42. Uh, was Michael Penix involved? Sure, he threw a couple of touchdown passes, but it was the emergence of 
frankly something I'd long written off for this year. The Washington run game apparently viable in spots. Look. Dylan Johnson had 256 yards rushing. Yeah. And if it's possible, this stat, like when I heard it, my first response was like, well, I'm actually kind of disappointed in him now. 199 yards before contact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, and a, I'm like, a shocking hey. stat. I'm like, you only had 57 more yards after contact? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. <laughs> I would expect more. Where's the yak? Like, yeah. you don't, there's no yak. Um, unbelievable game for him. I don't know about you. I didn't particularly enjoy this game too much. Um, <laughs> I um, it it was very painful um, to watch, and it wasn't really until you know the the Huskies got that stop late when they were up forty five forty two, where they finally were able to sack uh, you know Caleb Williams, who is a fucking magician. Oh, he's amazing, dude. Any any other quarterback we play with that offensive line USC has is getting sacked like eight times. He's so good. I I like most of the year I've been thinking like how good is this dude really? And then you watch him and you're like, man, he's really good. He's like really, really good. He's insanely good. I mean, his so his ability to sidestep and create space when it just looks like he's dead and then not just to get 5 yards but to like throw touchdowns is uh, otherworldly. I mean, he was as impressive as he's as he's built to be. Um, yeah. He he was he was awesome to watch. Uh, Penix matched him though. Um, yeah. Not in. I would say Caleb Williams probably had the more spectacular plays plural in the game, but the Penix touchdown to Devin Culp uh, was for me the most spectacular play of the game. Uh, yeah. And a lot of that was to do with uh, the way Devin Culp managed to maintain control of that football. That was good. That was awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know, if just great game for Washington. I mean, I I enjoyed watching this game front to back, uh, and I think a lot of that was because we had flown back from Disney World, got up super early, got up at like three a.m. East Coast time to catch the plane back, and so we'd just gotten home and sort of got settled by the time Washington and USC started. And I announced to my family that I would. Now I'm going to watch football until my eyes fall out of my head. Yeah. Uh, which I did. That was not just a Saturday thing. Uh, and then it was awesome. It was just the best. Uh, and so, like, I wasn't – I didn't have it in me to get too, like, amped up for, like, why we weren't pushing ahead. But it was just, like, back and forth. Play of the game for me was uh, the Zion strip sack there where Washington yep. all of a sudden yep. takes the gift and goes up at the half ready to receive the second half kickoff. They needed it, right? Because it turns out when they come out in the second half, they drive down the field with ease, but then Penix makes his his lone really big mistake in the game where he goes over the middle for no reason. Things like that were just killing me. You know, like, yeah, there was no reason in that game to take a risk of any kind on offense. You could yeah. just have – there was free yards underneath every single time. He could, he could have had unlimited number of completions for eight yards. And, you know, and then – uh, running, you could also get eight to ten yards per play. You you know just do that until you know if they had just done that rather than go over the middle, they would have gone up fourteen after the first you know after the first possession of the second half, and the game would have would have you know probably been out of reach sooner. But as you said, like it's it's USC, it's at the Coliseum. Anytime you can get a win at the Coliseum, you got to take it, particularly with the stakes that Washington is playing for this year. Uh, you know it's it is interesting at like the college football playoff level. Oregon has all of the momentum and here's Washington like undefeated with wins at the Coliseum at Arizona at home against Oregon. Like Washington's got all the receipts right now. So I don't know if they're going to keep it up or not, but you know, those are big games you got to win. Yeah. That's why I'm not getting too, uh, you know, trying to keep myself from getting too worked up about it. Like I was even just when we were waiting to record tonight, I had sports center on and, Scott Van Pelt and uh, Stanford Steve were talking about how Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12, and they know that you know Washington won the game, but they think Oregon would be favored in the game. And I'm like, you know, it's I think it's one thing to be like in the moment, and be like, well, what the fuck, the game doesn't matter or something like that. But like, if you like, wouldn't you rather be the team that won the game and is still in nobody believes in us mode, like narrative wise? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think all anybody's been talking about. They don't care that you won. All anybody's been talking about is how Oregon should have won the game. Uh, And like Oregon's been the more impressive team because Oregon and quite frankly, Oregon's resume uh, when put under the microscope microscope uh, outside of the Utah win, which is incredibly impressive, uh, is like not so hot. Well, the Utah win is their only win over a team that has a winning record. Yeah. So and they and they crushed them and that's awesome. Utah's a good team. That's a that's an, an awesome result and they did it there and that's that's impressive. Outside of that, rough one against uh, Texas Tech and then they beat up a bunch of teams that they're way better than. So yeah, like, they're really good at blowing bad teams out for sure. Yeah, which is something to be like. Let's not sniff at it. You know what I mean? Like if I wasn't aware that nine and zero and six and zero in conference at this point in the season was something we could have. And somebody offered me eight and one, five and one, I'd be like, "Oh, that's a pretty good year." Yeah, I would. I would probably take that in most in most years. It just happens to be not as good as another nine team. And oh, nine and oh, six and oh. Yeah, the team. Yeah, that I, I, I agree. You want to be you want to be the underdog in these games, um, and I, there does seem to be like a real like ebb and flow to these things. You know, it's like uh, I'm trying to think of what a good analogy is, but you never want to be. It's like when you're watching a golf tournament, you know, like when you were watching Tiger in his prime, you know, in a, in a major, and then like this guy's getting hot on the eighth hole, and he's, you know, and like from the eighth hole to the twelfth hole, it was like this is going to be it. He's going to take out Tiger, and it's like, <laughs> nope, you got you got hot too early, dude. Like you don't want to be you don't want to be hot on the ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth holes, you know, on the thirteenth, fourteenth holes. You want to get hot on the fifteenth hole, and that's when Tiger would like turn it around. You know, he chipped in at Augusta. You know, on the 16th, on the part three, it's like you want to be hot late. Like Oregon couldn't be hotter now for the last since they lost to Washington. I, Dan Landing was like straight up talking shit about USC in practice earlier this week um, because he probably knows they're about to crush USC. But it's like you you know you don't want to get hot too early because because then the, the momentum shifts and then all of a sudden you want like you want to be hot at the end. So. I, I 100% agree with that. The college football season is not long, but it's long enough to have its phases. Yeah. And this is this we're in like the third phase of four phases and the third phase like is Oregon's hot phase. You know, can they keep they might be able to keep it up the whole time. I don't know, but Washington's got no got no momentum because of their, you know, paltry wins. I was I don't know if you caught this, but like uh, before they started that last drive with UW at USC the one where Dylan Johnson went 57 yards, uh, Fowler and Herb Street. I think Fowler was like one of the knocks on Washington is they've been having trouble finishing out games. And I'm like, that's a fucking hell of a thing to say about a team that hasn't lost in 15 months. You know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this team just can't finish. And I'm like, can't they though? Like, they yeah. kind of can. Like, you know, in a, in a way, they kind of finish because every time the game ends, they got more points than the other team. And it's been that way for over a year. Like, it seems like they can finish okay. Um, and then, but Kirk Kirk Herbstreit like jumped on it too. And they was like, you know, because when that when they went the whole length of the field, they're like, what's really impressive about this? You mentioned it. They're having trouble closing out these games. And again, I was just like, I, I just don't think that that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. I guess it. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, I guess if you if the. The standard for Washington and, you know, maybe a few other programs around the country is that you we we appreciate that they're winning every game, but we just like them to win by more. I, I agree. I want them to win by more. He sees everything. But, uh, yeah. Everything? I, yeah, I agree, too. I just wouldn't say that, like, one of the knocks on Kalen DeBoer is he can't finish his finish games. Like, Kalen DeBoer, who's uh, moved to uh, 99 and 11 as a head coach. Yeah, like it seems like he's pretty good at finishing games, really. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, anyway. But, uh, you know, we'll see, dude. Who knows? You know, like, I, th- you know, I'm not, like, unrealistic. I think there's a possibility Washington loses to Utah. There's a possibility Washington loses to Oregon State. Put that apple cup in the bank, baby. Like, that one we're winning. That's uh, going to be a win, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's a possibility Washington loses to Oregon or whoever they play. In a Pac-12 title game, which Washington is uh, well suited to be in, as we sit here with uh, three conference games left in the season. So, um, but you know, I think 
Yeah, I mean, that's basically all I want to say. I mean, impressive for Washington to hold USC to zero points in the fourth quarter after just shipping points the entire game. It just, for a long time, it just looked like whoever had the ball last was going to win. But Washington did was able to find a handful of stops. USC did find the one stop. You were talking about that interception over the middle. I'm not even, like, super mad at that because we had just had a couple nice completions, including Roma Dunze really treading the line between getting a personal foul on that contested catch where he just stood and stared at the guy. Yeah. That was the play immediately before. And then you throw over the middle to Westover. Penix is obviously confident and in rhythm. And USC just so happens to have some kind of like middle linebacker or like nickel guy or something with like an over seven foot wingspan. He's six, six. (laughs) Yeah. So like that, that guy was absurdly long that, and he tipped it like he did not catch it. So he was pretty. He was pretty long. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I'd say that's probably a throw that you just go back and you say, well, you know, we got to know the personnel on the other team against every other team we play. Great read, great throw. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so how we doing on picks last week? I don't know. Um, like, all right, like pretty much five hundred. Adam did really good. He went five and one, but the rest of us were all like five hundred or four and two. It's pretty much like you and Tubby. Tubby's at 41 and 30, and you're at 40 and 31. Kellen's there at 39 and 32. But that's kind of the race right now is you three. All right. The three amigos. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Uh, Going into this week's game, we're going to start off uh, at Folsom Field in Boulder, a game that earlier in the season you're looking at Colorado's schedule when all of a sudden you started to worry, "Eh, how are we going to find six wins? You're thinking, well, Arizona at home, that's probably one. No longer. Arizona are 10.5-point favorites. That's not enough for me. Are we ready for yes an Wait, Arizona really? stinker? It's it's been the Noah Fafita show, right? Oh, it has, yeah, big time. Like rushing wise, they're not outrageous. He's just really good. But yeah. I mean, is Colorado's defense any good? Are they going to be the ones that like? Solve the Fafita puzzle? I think the the questions for me are whether uh, – I haven't really been following. I guess Colorado changed offensive coordinators in a move that people are questioning. Uh, yeah, big time, because the coordinator they brought in is, like, very highly respected, and everybody loves him, and they're like, well, he's gone. Like, he's going to leave now. Yeah, I mean, he was only putting up what seemed like 49 points a game. Yeah, So. yeah. And like getting and creating, uh, turning Shadur Sanders into a first rounder. That's probably not with the program now for Dion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got to bring this guy back to earth here. He needs another year. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's like when I'm looking at a Colorado game, it's like, are is the other team going to overpower them on the lines always? But like, is this going to be potentially closer I maybe you know I mean I'm gonna I'll 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 quit this I'll, I'm gonna take Arizona also but I like I could see it they they were terrible last week man they that that whole like switch they they put up like what is it 19 points like that no way Arizona cruising yeah yeah, I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. But, I mean, I would love it, it'd be interesting, at least, if Colorado got back into this thing, uh, at least for bowl eligibility. And really, they only need one more win, you know, because everybody's going to want a 5 and 7 Colorado at their bowl game. Well, there's a couple other teams that are vying for that spot uh, the, the eligibility bowl. Cal and WSU are two of them, and they're playing. Someone's getting a win here. Cal at home. One point favorite, it looks like. Maybe for the last time in the history of the podcast, <laughs> I'm taking the Kooks. <laughs> oh, just for lack of opportunity, I guess we're at Washington's going to play him next year. But yeah, I'll have to take Washington. So they're yeah. not going to play him next year. They don't want. They don't want to play Washington next year. Washington's like offering him a game, and they're like, "No, we don't want to play you guys. We hate you guys." Anna Marie Casse sucks. Like, yeah, okay, there's a million You know what I like about Anna Marie Casse is that uh, we're in the Big Ten now and we have a great football coach, and, like, she was on the sidelines at the USC game. That's what I want out of my president. Yeah, 
Oh, because, yeah, because Jen Cohen's over there wearing her, her Trojan red, and there's Anna Marie Casse just like, oh, did we win by 10? Awesome. Like, yeah. Uh, that's a little Do you see Wilner suggest USC hire Jimmy Lake? I know. That guy's such an idiot. Like <laughs> That guy's having a – he was so good as, like, the main Pac-12 guy, but he really, you know uh, – I mean, this has got to be, I remember hearing a story about there. There's a comedian, I think his name was Von Mater or something like that, who uh, his act was like doing JFK impersonations and hearing other comedians talk about what happened to him when JFK got assassinated. They're like, oh, that guy's fucked. That's kind of like John Wilner with the uh, conference realignment. I feel like it's Twitter's fault, man. I think like Twitter has turned all these, uh, all these like legitimate journalists into just like clickbait warriors you know and it just it just sucks because like they have to play the game right where they have to go figure out every day what like pseudo controversial thing can i quote or some piece of snark bullshit can i put out there to to like engage these fan bases and piss them off you know which like has nothing to do with journalism and isn't journalism but like wilner is like like hook line and sinker in on that shit you know like he picks you know, I listened to their the the podcast he does with Canzano. Uh, he picks USC to cover, you know, the Washington the spread, um, and then Washington comes out and beats USC by double digits. And his tweet is like, "Congrats to Washington for scoring three more points than Cal." And it's just like, yeah. "What are you doing, man? Like, what? Like, why? Like, that's not necessary. Like, it's just not necessary." Nobody believes in us, dude. Nobody respects us. He's just got. He's got to get the clicks, dude. They're like, or his boss is gonna call him and be like, "Why aren't you getting more clicks on Twitter?" So, yeah. like, yeah, yep, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't even know what the fuck. What were we talking about? Uh, Washington State. Yeah. <laughs> Anna Marie Casse on the sidelines. Yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Cougs. All right, you got the Cougs. I got Cal. Let's see what happens. Uh, how about Stanford and Oregon State? How can we say Oregon State are a twenty-one point favorite in a game against the Stanford team? They've won a couple recently. They beat Colorado. Yeah, I mean, they Oregon State were, just put up twenty ten against Washington. Yeah, Oregon just State up, just beat Colorado only by a score, and they put up twenty-six points in the whole game. And now they're twenty-one point favorites. That seems wrong. I think Oregon State is very similar to Utah to me in that, like, uh, Arizona State result accepted. Uh, I don't view either of these schools as, like, threats to, like, you know, I mean, like, when you play Washington or you play Oregon or you play USC, you'd be like, well, there's, like, a very reasonable world where this team scores 50 points on us. Yeah. So, like, we're going to have to figure out how to score some points in this game. Uh, And I don't think that's – I'm less worried about that with the Beavers and the Utes. I also think there's an opportunity here for Oregon State to look ahead a week because they got Washington at home next week. Yeah. Uh, they're at home for Stanford. So, you know, that'll be good. But they're definitely going to be looking ahead to that game. You know, they've got that game circled. Um, and so Stanford kind of waltzing in. It, it does, you know, second back to back road games for Stanford. So that's rough. But I don't know. I, I I don't think I think Oregon State's going to win this game comfortably, but I don't think they're going to cover twenty one points. Yeah, I think the exact same thing. I got Oregon State money line, Stanford in the points. Yep. Parlam. There you go. Uh, Arizona State and UCLA. Little Pac twelve network. We have Pac twelve network triple header appears. Uh, Arizona State and UCLA. UCLA are eighteen point favorites at home against the Sun Devils. Sun Devils. Licking their wounds after a real tough one against Utah last week. Uh, UCLA, uh, likewise, I mean, tough game for them against Arizona. They have, you know, the Chip Kelly offense has never really reared its head now in the uh, 24 years he's been at UCLA. He was way ahead of the curve, dude, but then the curve became the norm. Like, you know, everybody runs his version of, like, the off- spread offense now in some degree. And so he, you know, like, he would have to reinvent himself again. Also, Garbers is hurt in addition to Dante Moore being hurt. So UCLA is potentially looking at their third string. I don't know if Arizona State's quarterback's hurt. He got hurt like in the first quarter of the Utah game. Um, so that's certainly Bourget. Bourget. So that, you know, that probably didn't help um, his, uh, you know, their, their, the score. But I mean, I don't fucking know, dude. This 17 point spread. I mean, do we say because ASU's at home, they're going to keep it tight? At, well, it's not. It's at UCLA. 
Oh, it is? Oh, I got that yeah. wrong here. Okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm going to go with the classic uh, UCLA looked like garbage last week, so I'm going to pick UCLA this week. I'm going to go a little bit different and say Arizona State looked like garbage last week, so I'm going to take Arizona State. <laughs> I like that. I like that, too. Those are, both, those are both great reasons to make those picks. True statement. Both of those are true statements. These teams are garbage. All right, USC and Oregon uh, in Autzen Stadium, a game relegated to the 7.30 p.m. Uh, time slot uh, due to uh, Washington coming up with the win against USC. Would have been flipped around if USC had managed to win that game, and uh, you know those these two schools would have been able to play in front of millions of more eyeballs. Uh, sucks for them. Uh, Oregon are 15-point favorites in this game. Uh, I think that if you're pegging an over-under for Oregon rushing yards, I think a good place to put it would be in the neighborhood of 375 yards rushing. Yeah, what was that? What was that Cal tweet, 18,000? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. virtually as many as they want. I mean, like all, all you can hope for if you're USC is that we got – I'll tell you what. And talk about kicking a guy who's down. Really uh, gratuitous uh, – Alex Grinch cutaways during Washington's many explosive plays in that game last week of him with just his hands on his knees, looking at the ground in pain, yeah. in physical pain. Did he, I didn't, I saw one a couple of days later. Somebody had like a, it looked like the uh, camera that's on the cable, you know, was like over the UCLA sideline and Grinch was in there firing up the troops. Oh, USC, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he put his hand up to break him down, and everybody just turned away and ignored him, and he had to, like, put his hand down like he wasn't trying to get a little cheer going. Get the fuck out of here. We're not doing yeah. that. Fuck, you fucking suck. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe they get, uh, you know, a guy, in, whoever they got in there to coach the defense this week, and they're like, all right, everything you've been doing is wrong. We're going to do the opposite of that. And then all of a sudden, UCLA, or USC rather has a, you know, vastly improved defense yeah i think that's right i mean it's it's you're playing the odds here right like the there's like i think if you broke it down you would say okay well usc just filed its defensive coordinator that's a smart thing they didn't even watch the tape of the washington game that's probably a smart thing they're just going to kind of come out and be like look you guys are all five stars like we're going to play a, like a dumbed down version of defense and you're just going to be better because you know, our offense can put up a bunch of fucking points and all you got to do is like get three stops and we're good. Yeah, that's um, it. That's a, that's to be comfortable playing in these shootout games. You got to accept. That's like, I've never got so mad during that Washington USC game last week. I was like, well, they're fucking good offenses. You know what I mean? Washington doesn't have yeah. a world beating defense, but like you don't need to stop them every time. You don't even need to stop them most of the time. You just need to stop them a couple few times. Yeah. So I think there's like an 18% chance that works. Yeah. You know? And then I think there's like an 82% chance that it works for six minutes. Yep. And and then Oregon is like, fuck this, and then just kicks the living shit out of them. Um, so it's not like a – it's a non-zero chance that USC, with all of its star power and with the high-powered offense, Oregon has come out of the gates really slow in the last couple games. You know, if, if USC comes out of the gates quick, gets a couple scores, goes up early, you know, plays this dumbed-down version of a defense, particularly if it puts Oregon – two scores down and they can, you know, kind of say like, well, we can, you know, you, you can take some of the options away to like just pound ground and pound that. Yeah. There's like, there's a, there's a, I'm taking it to 14%. There's a 14% chance that happens. And this is a game and USC has a shot like the vast, like the, the really, really heavy favorite here is that it's going to work for six or six or seven minutes, approximately two drives. And then Oregon's going to take over. And this, the score is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 52 to 28. You know, like yeah, like, I th I think that yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Oregon to cover also. But as as you're uh, saying that, I'm thinking about like how how the anatomy of the upset in in like broad terms, and I'm just literally thinking of this idea right now, so I'm gonna articulate it poorly. If you're USC or if you're the, in any game, if you're the team that's not supposed to win, your job from the outset is, of the game is to preserve the lie for as long as possible. The lie is that you are competitive in this game and that you have a chance to win the game and yeah. college football as erratic as a sport as it is. Sometimes you can preserve the lie for so long that it becomes the truth. 
you know, or the other team just gets scared because they were so sure of the truth that all of a sudden they're like, why is this lie defeating us? Uh, and that's going to be USC's job. Likewise, to a lesser extent, it's going to be the job of the underdog and the team in the next game that we're going to talk about. Your job is to keep this thing within touching distance for as long as possible and hope that we get some tightened buttholes on, on the pre, uh, uh, presumptive favorite sideline. And sometimes, because these are still young guys, uh, and there's a lot of guys out there who are, you know, three months away from, like, sending resumes out for office jobs. Like, this is, you know, it, it it's possible. It's possible. Look, I mean, if again, if Oregon comes out slow because they didn't take USC serious and USC's defense is fired up because they got rid of their coach they didn't like and they pop him in the mouth and, you know, stop him once or twice and Caleb Williams comes out and drives down the field and scores a couple touchdowns, then Oregon's down 14 nothing to a team that has an offense that isn't going to fail very often. And, like, then I think the odds are, are very balanced. I think, I think USC, even with the shittier defense, can start to give up points. And at that point, they really only need their defense to get, like, one or two stops for the rest of the whole game. Um, and as long as the D offense keeps cruising, they, they could win. Again, the odds of that happening, I think, are very low. But yeah. it is USC. The talent level is there to do it. And if you're and if you're USC's coaching staff, you're putting all your eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, you got to have that happen. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but it could happen. I think more likely than not, there's going to be it's going to go back and forth a little bit in the first quarter, and then Oregon's going to be like, "Fuck this, we're winning." I think so too. I mean, I think we're both would have, are confident enough in Oregon minus fifteen that we might you know somehow place actual money on it. That's all it is. It's fifteen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you're right. 15. Yeah, yeah. I think Oregon's going to win by more than that. Yeah, I think relatively comfortably. Uh, yeah, all right. So, uh, final game of the week, 12.30 p.m. kickoff. God start time for a college football game on the West Coast. Washington, number five ranked, undefeated Washington. As bad an undefeated team as you are ever likely to see, uh, depending on who you listen to, uh, are hosting Utah. Utah... Uh, Cam Rising, he never came back. Uh, and they've been running in with some backups. They Utah coming off their most impressive offensive output of the season, 55-3 to against Arizona State. Washington are nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. By rules of the pod, we will be taking Washington. Uh, and let me tell you something that's harem, and that I'll be laughing about that I thought it going into when we do the show next week. Not only for Utah, but also for Oregon State. I like the matchup for Washington. <laughs> like, like in re- like very really. I'm like, well, our our points elevator goes up to a higher floor than theirs. Uh, nature will assert itself. We're going to win. Yeah, our points elevator is way higher than theirs. Their defense is is can't keep us off the board if we're playing decently. And and our defense, which needs an assist, is going to get an assist. Because their offense is very limited, and they yep. tried this ball. They tried to do this ball control stuff, and and take you know take time off the clock. But if if the other team's offense is scoring, you know regularly, then it's difficult to do that successfully. And and the other thing is they're super beat up. So I think I think we both have a healthy amount of respect for Utah because Kyle Whittingham is amazing. And they're just- they're a great program. And you uh, you want to know one of the other reasons uh, we have such great respect for Utah is. Uh, we fucking beat them all the time. They own the shit out of <laughs> they those guys. They fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, compared to us, just yeah. it just we know their other games. They do quite. They manage to beat these other teams. I can't understand how, but yeah. against us, they don't do so good. They don't do so great. I agree. It it, it so I you know it, they'll get Washington's full attention. Husky Stadium will be jacked up. It's sold out. You know I don't think it'll be as jacked up as it was for the Oregon game, but it's going to be pretty jacked up. Oh, it's going to be big time, I think, you know, because it's it's this is this is rare air. I think this is only the third time in the history of Washington football, which has a proud tradition that we've been sitting here at nine and zero this late in the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't get to see, uh, you know, a national championship contender coming down the stretch uh, too often in your lifetime, you know. So I mean, any you know, you know, you're getting it. You always have your base level Husky fan that's going to go watch and play 
your Tulsa's, uh, your Montana's. <laughs> Hate to bring that up, but I was there. Uh, but then, you know, you, this team has enough buzz around it that, like, the casual person who maybe hasn't been to a Husky game in a few years, but, you know, fish the dog stuff out of the closet, go have a little fun. Remember remember what it was like in the college days. Yeah, no, for sure. It'll be jacked up. I just – it. It, it won't I'm, be it won't be Oregon because it won't be the the terror isn't there. Which the is, anger and the, the yeah. animosity isn't the, there. But yeah, it, it'll the be possi- good. the excitement of going to the Oregon game is a very real possibility. Is that if you are going to go witness live the worst thing that will happen to you this year? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so I, I just think if it, if if Utah was less injured, had fewer injuries, I would be a lot I would be a lot more like oh my god, you know, like this is like going to be a slobber knocker. But they have they've been so decimated by injuries. Cam Rising is just one of a litany of injuries of really good players that they've got, um, and, and a lot so of problems like, in the secondary. I'm hearing injury it's not, wise, not great, right? Like you gonna you better get home real fast to Michael Penix if you got if you got problems in the secondary. Um, so yeah, I mean I think I think you're right. Washington should be able to score. Utah is going to have a hard time keeping up. If Washington gets up a couple scores and, and Utah's not able to do its ball control bit, then the score could quickly get out of control. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I certainly hope it does. Uh, I would like for that to be the case. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a more comfortable win than the win over Arizona, you know, which which honestly was more comfortable than the final score indicated. Yeah, and Washington's in a position where two – I know that this isn't the end, end goal at this point in the, the situation, but two wins in the last three games guarantees them a berth in the conference championship. So you you win, you got two home games left. So you win your home games, you get to go play in the conference title. Yep. This is going to be so funny when they lose. But, yeah, yeah I just can't – I, can't see, I literally can't see it. They're gonna lose twenty eight to ten. Man. I can't you know, see it. No, they're gonna they're gonna lose twenty eight to ten. We're gonna come back on next week, and we're just gonna. I can't see it. Oh. I'm like irrationally confident for this game. I'm sitting there like, and I know, I know the first play where it was like, you know, Washington gets a two yard gain, where because like a guy stumbled or something like that, I'll be sitting at home screaming at my son while he's watching YouTube, being like. This was always a trap game. He was like, "What? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are What are you yelling about?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but that's just how I'd do, I'd do that against anybody. But yeah, yeah I, well, I think we've got this false sense of security because Oregon went into Utah and kicked their ass so bad, and we're like, "Well, shit, we beat Oregon," you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like we're gonna. I, and I think part of it is, I'm not sure we can lose. <laughs> it's been so long. I don't know. That yeah. if we can even do it. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. It's going to be a fun uh, fun day. <laughs> or not. Or a horrible day. Oh, it'll be a terrible day, dude. Yeah. This is this this, this game totally has, like, Kyle Whittingham's signature win for the year. Yeah. Written all and then uh, next week we're like, we didn't, we didn't have a playoff grade defense. We didn't want to be in that anyway. We're looking to get yeah. that Fiesta Bowl against Tulane. Yeah. We have a chance to regroup. Gonna play Air Force in a game of six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there you go. All right, that does it for this week's episode. Eligible receivers for Eric Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye.